0: Blue wire. The San Diego Chargers select Joey Bosa. Oh, here comes Bosa! The Los Angeles Chargers select Derwin James. And it's intercepted at the 35-yard line. Derwin James. What's going on everyone and welcome to this week's first edition of the Powder Blue Review. I am your host Michael Peterson and wow yesterday wasn't a good day. Just simply put yesterday was not a good day for the Chargers. The Chargers dropped to 5-9 and nine on the season with a 39-10 to 10 loss to the Minnesota Vikings. Now the Vikings obviously had something big to play for. They're uh now two games ahead, but at the time we're only one game ahead of uh, the Los Angeles Rams for the final spot in the NFC side of the playoffs. And unfortunately, the Chargers may be a little bit of, you know, in at an impasse where they win any more games, you know, they lose out on a top 10 pick. They're already mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. So I don't understand, you know, no one on the team or whatever is going to be down for the tank, right? You know, but us fans are sitting here probably thinking Let's maybe not win these games. You know, if you guys want to win for Pride, cool. Like I I I think it'd be great for Anthony Lynn to, you know, not have a terrible, terrible season on his resume. Um I don't know how hot his seat is at the moment, but you know, he had nine and seven his first year, twelve and four last year. And at this rate it's looking like a five and eleven season. Uh we haven't had a record this bad since the year before. Anthony Lynn took the helm, right? In Mike McCoy's final season, they were 5 and 11. The year before that, they were 4 and 12. So, of course, McCoy got the boot and honestly, when we hired Anthony Lynn, we probably didn't think that the team was going to get back to this type of play, right? Um, but you know, Anthony Lynn and although we we may question some of his his game management decisions at the end of a lot of these contests, he's not Philip Rivers throwing 18 interceptions which I think right now is is back to second in the NFL which is obviously um, the biggest indicator of the kind of year the Chargers are having I think you know when they went 4 and 12 and 15 and 5 and 11 and 16 that this team goes the way of Rivers Rivers wasn't too bad in in their 9 and 7 season and Rivers was like one of his best years of his career was last year when they went 12 and 4 so unfortunately that's kind of just the way this team goes But guys, show as usual, Um, we're going to be talking about the game, going over exactly what happened, some things to take away, any things of interest, and then we're going to get into this week's Serger Static Players of the Week. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode prior to the Vikings game with Arif Asani, such a great guy, Uh, tons of fun conversation with him, really glad he was able to come on the show and give us a little preview into the Vikings mindset and everything that they are at the moment. But yeah, that's today's show, guys. Um, don't want to dwell, obviously, you know, if the team's going to be this 5-11 and team, potentially, let's not dwell on the, the negative as much, right? It doesn't make this fun to listen to. It doesn't make anything fun to read if it's if it's overly negative. So um, definitely trying to stay away from, you know, the negative Nancys of the world in this episode. But we're going to go ahead, um, get right into the show. The Chargers started off against the Minnesota Vikings fairly well, keeping pace, um, And kind of staying steady after the Vikings were able to march down and score on the opening drive. Uh, The game was close pretty much up until the end of the first half, with the Chargers driving down 12 to 0, and they were definitely in field goal range. So you were kind of looking at a chance for the Chargers to be up 13 to 12 heading into half. But unfortunately, disaster struck. For uh, one of the first few times that would end up being seven total turnovers for the Chargers on the day, um, Philip Rivers was strip-sacked by defensive end Daniil Hunter, and after it was picked up and dropped by Austin Eckler, defensive end Ifeade Odenigbo for the Vikings um, ended up grabbing the ball and running free about pretty much the majority of the field for the uh, Vikings touchdown, which brought the halftime lead to 19 to 10, uh, that the Vikings obviously would never relinquish. Um, obviously, that's a huge killer, right? Um, the Chargers, you know, at halftime, Anthony Lynn basically said that, you know, it doesn't matter if they do anything good, uh, if they can't hold on to the ball. And and so that was kind of the mindset that at least, the, you know, the reporters and, and the sideline people said were, what was going to be the focus of the Chargers. Well, The Chargers got the ball to start the second half, you know, and again, they got, again, they got the ball to start the second half. So imagine if they had scored, um, at the, before the first half ended and then were able to put some more points on the board, right? That's like a huge momentum change, but the Chargers, uh, gave up that fumble return for a touchdown prior. And then, uh, the very, very first play of the second half, again, uh, the team just said, Anthony Lynn was on these guys. We can't turn the ball over anymore. The very first play of the second half. Melvin Gordon fumbled the ball, just punched right out by Shamar Steven, one of their defensive tackles. Um, it was recovered by Dean Hunter at LA's 30, uh, returned at four yards by Hunter, so it ended up at LA's 26, but, but just like that, after the huge play before the end of the first half, uh, the Chargers come out and give the ball away, and the Vikings have the ball right there, pretty much just outside the Chargers red zone. Well, the defense stood tall and allowed just you know four plays to, to occur and held them to a field goal. So uh, good on the Chargers defense, and that's kind of the theme of this game. The Chargers defense stood tall when the offense just kept giving the ball away. This game, weirdly enough, could have been so much worse than 39-10 to if the Chargers defense didn't keep holding the Vikings' field goals when the Vikings started off with the ball right there, pretty much within field goal range several, several times. Looking at your performers who, uh, honestly, there wasn't really any good ones besides Mike Williams, but... All right, so starting off always with Phillip Rivers. He was 28 of 39 for 307 yards, one touchdown and three interceptions. And and guys, I will tell you what, not a single one of those interceptions was like good play. I mean, actually no, there was one by uh, safety Anthony Harris where he he turned his hips one way to play uh, a route up the left sideline, but then flipped his hips all the way around uh, when Rivers tried to hit uh, Mike Williams on a deep post behind him. It might have been actually a good pass by Rivers if he had any arm left. Uh, He just kind of left it short, and Anthony Harris was able to come back underneath it in front of Williams. So, yeah, three interceptions for Phillip Rivers. That makes 11 in the last five games, so he's averaging at least two per per game over the last five weeks. Melvin Gordon, uh, again, two fumbles. That's what he's going to be remembered for in this game. He had seven carries for 28 yards, five catches for 36 yards, zero scores. Austin Eckler didn't do too well on the ground either. Seven carries for just 19 yards. Did have five catches for 62 yards. Uh, Definitely tried to play his role, especially with the team being down early and often in this one. Keenan Allen, obviously the most prolific target for Rivers. Nine catches, 99 yards. Sucks. He's just one off that... um, that 100 uh, yard receiving game, but 9 for 99 isn't a bad stat line. He did help move the chains quite a bit. And the same with Mike Williams. Mike Williams had the lone score on the day. Uh, four catches for 71 yards, one touchdown. The first three, or first two, pardon me, third downs that the Chargers had this week, uh, both were th- passes to Mike Williams where he came up absolutely huge. And he just seems to do that. I remember the last game where um, he didn't have some big catch to help move the chains on a clutch or money down like that. Uh one of the biggest questions I had was, what was the deal with Hunter Henry? He only had two catches for 29 yards and he had a fumble. And and to be totally honest, the the announcers came on the the broadcast and straight up said that was not uh, a catch and a fumble. Like he didn't have time to, he didn't have the ball long enough to like make a football move, quote unquote. He wasn't even done tucking it away before it was knocked out. Shouldn't have been a fumble, but that still counted towards uh, the Chargers, unfortunately. He only had two targets. He did catch both from 29 yards, and again, the, the, the fumble, that was really costly. Um, regardless if it really was a fumble, uh, got a hold on the ball with that situation. Derwin James led the ter- team in tackles, nine total stops, nothing else to be said. Thomas Davis, just six total tackles, again, nothing to be said. In terms of defensive stats, aside from just plain old tackles, the Chargers really didn't do too much. Perryman uh, six total tackles had the only tackle for loss on the team Joey Bosa five total tackles nothing else Melvin Ingram had four total tackles one pass defense and had an interception it was a super nifty interception for being totally honest Um, Kirk Cousins is known for doing a lot of different play action and then some screens where essentially he he uh, boots one way turns around and like staring in the face of a defender about to lay him out he tries to just dump the ball over their head to Dalvin Cooker one of the running backs in the backfield And Melvin Ingram was smart enough to play one of these super well and was able to stop and jump backwards and snag the ball out of the air. And it's not a surprise just because Melvin Ingram is, pardon me, a heck of an athlete. He was a track athlete, a real big jumper in high school. So definitely not surprised to see him make a play like that. Honestly, I wish he could make more plays like that if we're um, being totally honest. Now for the Minnesota Vikings, um, not a high stats game, mostly because defenses did a lot of damage and really made this game go the way it did. Kirk Cousins finished uh, efficiently with 19 of 25 passing, 207 yards, one touchdown, and the interception from Melvin Ingram. Dalvin Cook actually ended up leaving this game with a, I want to say it was a, a shoulder injury. He was fine. He didn't take off his pads. He wasn't sent to the locker room or anything like that, but they did hold him out for the rest of this one. He finished with just nine carries for 27 yards, three catches for 16 yards. In his place, though, Mike Boone scored his first two touchdowns of his career on a pretty decent day. He really helped shoulder the load, especially with backup running back Alexander Madison, their third round rookie from this past year um, on the sideline as well. He had 13 carries for 56 yards and two touchdowns. Um, Stephon Diggs, a quiet four catches for 76 yards from him. Uh, One big catch did help set the the Vikings into the Chargers uh, end zone excuse me, red zone in the second half. Adam Thielen came back from a six-game absence, better part of the sixth game. He played a little bit in one of those games before leaving again with injury. Uh, he just had three catches for 27 yards. At the beginning of the game, they said he really wasn't gonna have a full workload, and he just kind of did a few things and left. So three catches, 27 yards for him. Kyle Rudolph, three catches for 48 yards, made some good plays, uh, was a, a go-to guy in the red zone, but they couldn't complete, um, obviously, one there. And then Irv Smith Jr., the team's second-round rookie out of Alabama, tight end, two catches for eight yards and one touchdown. He had a nifty catch around Derwin James. Derwin was absolutely draped all over Irv Smith, um, but Kirk Cousins threw it in a manner where basically Irv Smith had to jump straight back away from Derwin and caught the ball and just barely got his butt to land inbounds for it. I mean, this was great defense from Derwin. I'm not sure what else he could have done to defend this pass. So good on Smith Jr., and then defensively, Eric Hendricks led the team with seven total tackles. Harrison Smith, six total stops, had an interception on Rivers, one tackle for loss. Daniil Hunter, five total tackles, the only sack, actually, no, one of the three sacks from the Vikings, and the forced fumble on Rivers. Mike Hughes, cornerback, four total tackles, two passes defended, one interception of Rivers. Anthony Barr, four total tackles, one and a half tackles for loss. And Ifeade Odenigbo had two tackles, one sack on Rivers, and that touchdown that he ran back uh, from the fumble recovery blue wire is actually taking a break from ad reads this week so there isn't a break here and we're just going to actually going to go straight into this week's surge or static and i made this kind of a little bit of shorter of an article than i have in the past um uh this is um what are we doing here we have just three surge like normal and only two in static, honestly, because the two were just that bad. And again, I I just be pulling somebody down just to kind of pull somebody down. So here we go. Week 15's Surge static Players of the Week. We always start with those who surged forward um, in the latest game. And the first one we got to bring up is Mike Williams. And, you know, at this point, And I mentioned this earlier, I really don't remember the last time that Williams didn't have some huge play made uh, through the air. On multiple third and longs against the Vikings, Williams' number was called, and he pretty much delivered each and every time. Came down with the ball every time was thrown up to him. Uh, He finished with 71 yards on four catches with a touchdown and is still on pace for his first 1,000-yard season. His score uh, on Sunday was his second in as many games, And unfortunately, they're the only two that he scored this year, which is a far cry from his 11 total touchdowns last season. He sits with 912 receiving yards. So yeah, I'd say it's a safe bet, you know, barring some weird catastrophe where he just can't catch a ball to save his life. I think it's a safe bet to say you can put money down on him reaching that 1000 yard plateau. And then Keenan Allen is our second player. Uh, He was targeted early and often in this one, Due to the fact that the Chargers were playing from behind since the opening drive, the sixth-year veteran was able to take advantage of the young Vikings corners after veteran Xavier Rhodes left the game early with a hamstring injury. His final line on the night was nine catches for 99 yards with zero scores. He did, however, surpass the 1,000-yard receiving mark for the first time or excuse me, on the season and for the third consecutive year, which honestly is kind of amazing. Because if you remember two fifteen and 16, or was it 14 and 15, I can't recall. But the back-to-back seasons where he lost the majority of the year due to some freak injuries, I believe it was the lacerated kidney in 2015 in the middle of the season. And then he started the 2016 season against the Chiefs with a torn ACL before halftime. So huge, huge, huge shout out to Keenan Allen. Big kudos. Um, just amazing. Because a lot of people really doubted him when he came back for the 2017 season. And he has done nothing but prove the doubters wrong. And third, you got to throw out Melvin Ingram in this one, man, you know, he didn't get a sack, but that interception was huge and just a big play for the defense that really helped keep the Chargers in this one in the first half. I kind of described it earlier, Um, really keen sense of, you know, play recognition and, you know, body control to stop. In his tracks and jump back further enough to to reach that little dump off screen from Kirk Cousins. So big on Melvin Ingram. Uh, would love to see more plays like that going forward. You know, obviously past the last two games of the season. Now static players. Of course, we're going to talk about Phillip Rivers. You know, and he's a guy that really is either on the surge list or on the static list. And I know uh, that's how you end up on this thing. You're either on one or the other. But I mean, he hasn't just like played well. And, and kind of stayed you know, between the lines, right? He's either played really good or he doesn't. And when he plays really bad and plays really good, of course, because he, he took a step forward. And when he plays really good um, and he throws three interceptions like he did on Sunday, then obviously he's going to take a step back. So he's, he's always in a position to be on this list. And unfortunately, he's on the wrong side of it this week. After he turn, or didn't turn over the ball whatsoever against the Jaguars, uh, Rivers looked like his usual self most of the evening, especially when things started to look bleak following the team's second lost fumble of the day. And I mentioned this quite a few times, but Rivers tends to play this concept we like to call hero ball, where he, um, well, when the chips are stacked against him, um, he starts throwing wild passes, and he starts throwing into double coverage, and... It's just he, he gives the team no chance to succeed or get out of these holes. And he says, you know, why he throws these passes up uh, to hopefully let his receiver make a play. But it's like it's not even that good of a situation. You're not throwing it up for your receiver to make a play if he literally has zero chance to make a play from being double and triple covered. Uh, as of right now, Rivers is back to being in second place in the NFL with 18 interceptions on the year, including 11 in his last five games. Some on social media were wondering if this was Rivers' final snap with the Chargers, even with these two games left on the schedule. Now, I highly doubt that it was. Um, I think they're going to do right by him and let him play at least one season within the NFL, excuse me, in the new uh, LA Stadium, pardon me. I think they're going to let him do that, uh, if we're being totally honest. I think they will allow him to kind of go out in style regardless of how next season goes. But I think there's going to be A lot of people, if next year doesn't go well because of Rivers again and their whole trying to do right by Rivers backfires, uh, it's not going to look good on Lynn. And you know what? It may end up letting uh, or getting Lynn fired and letting him go uh, out with Rivers in his retirement. Secondly, I just have Melvin Gordon, man. Uh, He did nothing in this game. Did absolutely nothing. Seven carries for 28 yards, five catches for 36 yards, and two lost fumbles. And they were like really bad fumbles. I mean, it was just both, I think, on the Chargers side of the 50. The second one came with the very first play of the second half right after the Chargers just gave up a fumble recovery for a score right before the, the first half ended. It was just bad. And, you know, he may use the next two games to figure out or put you know make a lasting impression for some team that's going to sign him in the offseason, but um, I just hope to God that he's not with the Chargers next season. And hopefully someone's able to sign him for cheap and get him off our hands. Cause I, I just, I very, very, very much doubt that he will be with the Chargers in 2020, especially with the success of Austin Eckler this season and Justin Jackson, who has been very good, uh, when he's healthy and obviously hasn't been healthy this season, but they also haven't needed him and they haven't, didn't need Justin Jackson to rush back. So, uh, I would be much, I would just be very, very comfortable with Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson leading the backfield in 2020. And that does it only going with those two for the static section. Uh, but that does mean the end of our show this evening. Guys, truly, truly appreciate all the love. Uh, I know the season hasn't been as great as it could be. You know, they just never tend to meet expectations. science last season when they did go 12 and four. Um, but we love this team. We love these players. Yes, we wish the coaching staff and and some of the players would make better decisions on and off the field. But this is what we get, and you know, if we didn't love the Chargers so much, we wouldn't be listening to this podcast, we wouldn't be fans after all these years of heartbreak, after everything that's happened in the past, uh, over and over and over again, man. I mean, it's a a type of sickness that we have, but uh, we wouldn't change it for the world. With that being said, I'm your host, Michael Peterson, and I will see you guys later this week.